Good afternoon, and welcome to Caregivers Speak. I'm Marjorie Papsteinmetz, the host of this show, and I'd like to thank eCareDiary.com for supporting this show. Uh, please go on both of our respective websites for more uh, caregiver resources. In fact, not more, many caregiver resources. Uh, my site is www.mycaregivingcoach.com and eCareDiary.com. Um, one of our major themes uh, for both of us as partners is a caregiver wellness. And we, the topic today fits so beautifully into wellness because it's all about forgiveness and gratitude, um, forgiving yourself and giving yourself some thanks, um, and how you can do that. Because to the degree you can do that for yourself is the degree to which I think your wellness and that of your care partner uh, will thrive. So I want to welcome back a couple of very special people who were on the show back in January, uh, Barry Jacobs. Um, and Julia Mayer, Dr. Barry Jacobs and Dr. Julia Mayer. Um, the two of them are such special people because they've written a wonderful book called AARP Meditations for Caregivers, Practical, Emotional, and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family. Uh, the publisher is De Capo, and it was just published last year in 2016. A little bit about Barry and Julia. They've been married for 26 years. Their book tells the story of nearly 150 caregivers who struggled to find caregiving's potential positive rewards. And I just love this because I think the more that we can look at the positive of our journey, the better off we're going to be. Uh, Dr. Barry Jacobs is a clinical, clinical psychologist. He's a family therapist and the director of behavioral sciences for the Crozer Keystone Family Medicine Residency Program in Springfield, Pennsylvania. He's a national spokesperson on family caregiving for the American Heart Association and a blogger on family caregiving for the Huffington Post. So be sure to watch for his posts on Huffington Post. They come out regularly. He's also the author of the Emotional Survival Guide for Caregivers, Looking Out for Yourself and Your Family, while helping an aging parent. He received his doctorate in psychology from Heinemann Widener University. But Dr. Julia Mayer is a clinical psychologist as well. She has a private practice in Medea, PA. Medea, is that right, uh, Julia? It's media. Media, thank you. Sure. Uh, that Medea is a, another character altogether, isn't it? Media, <laughs> Pennsylvania, where she specializes in women's relationship issues, including family caregiving. She's the author of a, the 2014 novel, A Fleeting State of Mind. And I have read this book uh, just since I had them on the show before, and congratulations on that as well. You're, you're truly a Renaissance woman. You go from fiction to nonfiction. It's fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Dr. Julia Mayer received her doctorate in psychology from Widener University. So let me begin by welcoming you both. Thank Thanks. you so much, Marge. It's great to be back. It's great to be Oh, it's great to have you. So let me just begin by asking you, Barry, why did you write this latest book with Julia, AARP Meditations for Caregivers? 
the book is intended to help inspire caregivers to find, uh, as, as you said just a moment ago, to find the positive rewards in caregiving. Uh, a lot of attention over the past 20 years has been on the stresses that caregivers experience and uh, some of the negative consequences of, of long-term stress. Uh, and yet in our uh, professional and personal experiences, we have seen many people really uh, benefit greatly from, from caregiving. Uh, they've grown uh, both personally and spiritually as a result of the care uh, that they've provided loved ones. And so this, this is a book that tells us uh, the story of about 150 caregivers, uh, how they uh, found the way to see the silver linings in, in, the, in the dark clouds uh, of whatever was going on in their families. Uh, and so the purpose of the book is really to inspire and to uh, help encourage family caregivers that uh, this is, a, this is a, a, an endeavor that can make a, a very positive difference in their lives. Well, thank you so much for doing that. Um, I often felt when I was a caregiver that hearing about all the trials and tribulations made me feel worse. And so I truly believe that your book is one of those things can make it can make us feel better and, in fact, be inspired by our journey. So today's topic is about forgiveness and gratitude. And Julia, what is it? What is it that you both mean by forgiveness? And how does it come up in the context of family caregiving? Well, in family caregiving, there is a lot of opportunity for forgiveness. Um, certainly forgiveness of oneself, because often as caregivers we, we feel like we're falling short of what we would like to be doing or the way we'd like to be behaving. Um, and oftentimes as caregivers, we need to be able to forgive those we love, the people we're caring for, or our siblings, or whoever is in that network of family caregiving with us. So forgiveness is an extremely important topic because without it, um, there's a whole lot more suffering because people hold on to um, painful, angry, negative feelings, and forgiveness is a way to deal with them and get them out of the way so that we can feel lighter and more able. Yeah, that's a really important reason it's all about moving forward in the future. Um, do you find that much of what is, needs to be forgiven is a historical thing in families, that, you know, I might blame my brother for something that happened 30 years ago, way before mom got sick, for example? Absolutely. Um, not only that, but things come up in the present around caregiving that trigger those old feelings and may even resemble some of the inequities of the past. So if a daughter feels, a sister feels like her brother got more attention than she did, but she's the caregiver, and then the, the brother swoops into town to visit with, his, with the mother, and she's so happy to see him, there's some jealousy, there's some anger, old feelings come up. But the reality now is very different from the past. So uh, we try to help people differentiate those old feelings from what's actually happening in the present and what it actually means. So in that way, it's very important to be able to forgive that brother. He's doing the right thing. He's visiting. And, you know, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. And you provide such a stellar example, um, you know, between siblings. So trying to get getting there and forgiving – so what 
does a caregiver need to do to forgive the person for whom they're providing care? And like you say, focus on the future. Um, give our listeners some tips on how we make that jump into forgiveness of a family member. Is this, is this for me, Margie, or for Julie? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Why don't you take this one, Barry? Thank you. Sure. Um, so uh, forgiveness works best when the person who has offended us is able to express genuine remorse for something that they might have done in the past. Uh, and when people, when we hear someone express remorse and, it, and their remorse really touches us, then, you know, our heart our heart melts in a way and we're able to, to take a softer approach with them. Unfortunately, in a lot of caregiving situations, especially providing care for, for a loved one with dementia, that may not be possible that the person just may not have the insight to be able to uh, express remorse for, for, the, for the way they may have treated you in the past. And then, so we have to then decide on our own um, uh, that holding the grudge, holding on to the anger, uh, you know, is, is simply not helpful for sustaining the caregiving and that it, 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 it doesn't enable a different kind of relationship to unfold. Um, a lot of times caregivers may have had a bad relationship with the care receiver. Maybe the care receiver was an alcoholic in the past, or maybe the care receiver had been neglectful or abusive. Um, but when a caregiver enters into uh, a, a caregiving commitment, it's, it's as if they are, they're saying, well, let's start anew. I mean, I haven't forgotten what's happened before, but let, let's see what, what we can make of, our, of this new relationship that we have. And so the old, the old anger, the old hurt uh, doesn't, uh, can get in the way of, of allowing whatever is going to occur to, to, to really unfold. Uh, so I, I think for people to be aware of what, how they feel about the past, but to make a very conscious effort to focus on the present uh, and to and to try to create something new is, is very important. And I I would suspect that also saying to yourself, well, I probably wasn't perfect in those old relationships as well. I bet I said something. You know, it takes two, doesn't it? So to just say to yourself, hey, I'm not totally clean of all all of this, <laughs> and I would think that would make a difference. I mean, we always say it takes two to tango, and that's a, you know, yeah. that's a, a nice, <laughs> nice phrase. But it, there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, most most of what occurs in relationships is the uh, result of, of contributions from both people. Uh, that said, um, especially in a parent-child relationship where a child uh, may have been uh, ill-used by a parent, uh, when the, the the expectation would be that the parent would take care of that child. That's not that's not a, rela- a relationship of equals, at least at that time, um, and so uh, that 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 means that the, whatever the child doesn't doesn't have any fault in in that situation necessarily. Maybe maybe they were a difficult child. Maybe they they acted up behaviorally, but it doesn't mean that they may, they deserve to be treated in in an abusive fashion by the, the parent. Uh, so again. It'll, years later, when that that adult child that child is, is now an adult and caring for for that that parent who may not have been a great parent early on, that that adult child has to kind of think through what what occurred before, and 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 even if they don't feel that they are are giving back to the parent what what they received, maybe they they never received enough, it's still important enough for them to give to that parent. Uh, maybe for moral or spiritual reasons, 
uh, but also as, as a means of creating something new with that parent, uh, maybe having a better relationship parent than they ever had before. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it takes two, and then we also hear a tango, and then we also hear, you know, about forgiving and, and, and forgetting. And, Julia, is there a difference between forgiving and forgetting, and is forgetting necessarily important for forgiveness? I think that's a wonderful question, and whenever I talk about forgiveness, I want to make it really clear that it is not about forgetting, because people get upset if you tell them to forget abuse that occurred to them in childhood or mistreatment or neglect. That's not something they they can forget. So when I speak about forgiveness with people, I try to get them to, it's not forgetting it, it's letting go that right now in 2017, if you are caregiving that father who was neglectful or had a drinking problem, he is not the daddy from when you were back, back when you were a child. He's an older man who is probably frail and losing his faculties, and you're an adult and you're safe. You're not, you don't need his attention. You don't need um, to be afraid of him. You have a different relationship with him now. So it's not about forgetting what happened. It's about re-evaluating um, it in a way where you, you're bringing in the present and you're saying, right now, today, this is a frail man who happens to be my father who needs my care. And I can forgive him for being less than perfect, maybe by a mile, but he did his best because everybody does do their best. And now my job is to make him comfortable and treat him in 2017 like the person he is now, not the person he used to be, and I'm not the person I used to be. So the forgiving is around reframing and seeing that there's no point in holding on to that old anger. It will get you nowhere. The person who maybe was even, you know, that terrible parent, they're not even around anymore. This is a person who is now frail, elderly, needs your care. And you can be a good person and you can feel um, positively about yourself and what you're doing and the mission you're on in terms of providing care and, and not be weighed down by those old feelings that you can't do anything about because they're in the past. That's amazingly wonderful advice. I hear both of you saying focusing on the future, not holding on to the past. It's so yeah. important. So let's say that um, there isn't much forgiveness uh, between a caregiver and that, that care receiver. But can a caregiver continue to effectively provide care to someone if that person resents um, the caregiver or if she doesn't, or if the caregiver, he or she, doesn't forgive that person? Is there, in other words, is there any potential for effective caregiving? I think it's very difficult. Well, Julia, I, I think... yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Julia. Um, I do think there's potential for effective caregiving, and I pretty much know what Barry was going to say anyway. You have to be able to, because we've talked about it so much, you have to be able to reflect on what you're willing to do for this care receiver and what goes beyond your capacity, given the old relationship. So I know that um, when someone's had a difficult relationship with a parent, I will talk to them about, okay, you're willing to 
bring them food, you're willing to prepare their meds and take them to the doctor, but maybe you're not willing to sit with them and watch a movie and, 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 or, or hug them all the time or something that feels uncomfortable and, and um, artificial. So we'll try to help people figure out what they are willing to do for that family member, for that care receiver that feels just. It feels appropriate. It feels like care, but it doesn't have to be perfect care. It just has to be good enough care. And it can't be too much at the expense of the caregiver's sense of integrity. So we try to help people set some limits and do what they're comfortable doing and keeping in mind that the person that they're caring for has their limits and had their limits in the past. But but these are all things that one thinks about. It doesn't have to be a big emotional, painful, horrible thing. It's just what will work for me, and then I'm going to make a plan, and I will re, you know, check in on myself with that plan and see if I'm comfortable with it or if I need to make some changes or I need to bring in some cousin to do something that I'm not comfortable with or hire a caregiver. You keep reevaluating what works, especially in a relationship that's difficult or fraught. Great. Wonderful, wonderful, all wonderful tips. So let's uh, change gears a bit here. And, uh, Barry, I'd like for you to start us off with the connection between offering forgiveness and deriving gratitude. How, what's that connection between forgiveness and gratitude for the caregiver and those they care for? When, when we are able to forgive someone and, and set aside whatever anger we, we may have been holding on to for years, we then open ourselves up to deriving uh, some sense of gratitude about the work that we're doing and about the, the person we're caring for. Uh, I think, for instance, uh, when people um, feel that they're doing a good job, they feel they, they see that, uh, that that the person they're they're providing care for is benefiting from from that care. Uh, that that they 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 feel proud. They feel uh, grateful. Uh, maybe grateful for the opportunity to, to, to provide this care. Uh, none of that's possible if we're holding on to the grudges, if we're all wrapped up in, in, in sort of the past grievances. Uh, it, so there has to be a kind of clearing of the decks in order to be able to, to really uh, experience the present in its fullness and, uh, and, and find, the, find those silver linings that I mentioned before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know... I would imagine that over time, the only one can, only way one can sustain caregiving for another person is that feeling of gratitude. And so many of the caregivers that listen to this show are, you know, in, in it for a long term. You know, they're, they're, they're caring for someone who has a chronic illness. And so this is such critically important information for those caregivers who are going to be caregivers for a while, and they need to have things that sustain them. Would, would uh, Julia, your comment, or would you like to enlarge on that? Absolutely. Um, that's key, to be able to sustain the caregiving over time. And as, you're, as we're all very aware, often caregiving does take years and years. It isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. And to get through the marathon, we need sustenance. And so gratitude is one of those things that is a kind of sustenance, but it takes some effort. Um, I think a lot of caregivers on first thinking about what they're doing may, may have the response, um, you know, 
I'm not grateful that my loved one is ill and that I have to take care of him or her. This is nothing right. to be grateful for. But if, you, if we reflect on it, what we find is actually, given the situation is what it is and we can't change it, we can make the most of it. A lot of times caregiving gives people a sense of purpose. Um, when I talk to caregivers, they feel that um, there's meaning in their life because of the care that they're pre- providing. And it, it feels like an accomplishment, and it is often an accomplishment. A lot of caregivers have to learn all about the medical illness that their loved one has and what to do about it and what it will look like over time. And they have to learn about medications and how to talk to doctors, and they have to coordinate schedules. And, and even though a lot of it's um, difficult, challenging, and often a headache, you definitely get a sense of accomplishment for having managed all of those things and for helping the loved one get what they need and and learning along the way. And and another thing that caregivers are often grateful for is that when they are caregiving a loved one, they build a deeper connection with that person. Even if they have struggles to get through, even if there are hurdles, um, arguments, fights, uh, differences of opinion, Oftentimes, just being with that person and providing care and working through those challenges makes the caregiver feel closer to the care receiver and vice versa. And I have worked with plenty of people who, you know, after their loved one has passed away, they look back on that time as some of the most valuable, uh, meaningful time in their life. And they are so grateful that the relationship that they had with their care receiver um, grew the way that it did. So we always try to help people see what to be grateful for, but it takes some effort, it takes some reflection. Sometimes it takes looking into the future and imagining how will I feel about this years from now when I look back on it. Um, but what gratitude does, if if the caregiver can find it, is it it absolutely improves mood. It leads to... Um, a much more joyful caregiving. And I think a major feature of both forgiveness and, and gratitude, by the way, is compassion. And so when we can feel compassion for our loved one, when we can feel compassion for the our siblings or whoever's in this family picture, uh, it makes everything go more easily and it's much easier to feel gratitude. Absolutely. While you were saying that, I'm just thinking, oh, I want to challenge our listeners to think about what they're grateful for today. And in your words, both of you, I I think back to my mother, and I'm so grateful that I got to know her so much better. I didn't get to know my mother really um, very well until I was 58 years old. And then I found out she had other boyfriends before my dad. I mean, we had the best time giggling about uh, all those things that she never told me when I was a teenager or, you know, just in my early 20s. Maybe she thought she shouldn't tell me that. You know, she was one of those Midwestern kind of straight-laced mothers. But to find out that she had this other life, if you will, it was amazing. And I'm so grateful that I learned that, to your point, Julia. So, um, go, I'm so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. I, I, um, it's a wonderful feeling, and, and you do feel like you have gained something that you will always have from that experience. Yeah. 
So if we're feeling that today, and hopefully everybody in the audience is identifying something that they're grateful for, how can we show this gratitude? If we're feeling it inside ourselves, Barry, what, what can we do to, to show it? I, I think uh, the most important uh, person to show it to is oneself. I mean, I think to, to make note of uh, the things that we're doing each day that really kind of bring us a sense of competence, be a sense of joy. Uh, and when, when we notice those things, um, then the caregiving is, is not so hard. I also think that if we can uh, express that gratitude to the care receiver that, you know, I, I, I had the experience of within the last seven years of caring for my mother who uh, just happened to die uh, two weeks ago after a very long decline from dementia. Um, but uh, I, there were just as you say, Marge, there were, there were times that I, I often thought that, that my mother and I were working more closely together than we had in decades, and that I was, um, I was able to uh, kind of be present with her in a way that my, my, my usual busy life doesn't allow me. And, that I, and I would say, you know, she would say to me that she didn't want to be a burden to me, and I said to her, in, in, in fact, that it, she wasn't, not only was she not a burden, but that I wanted to do this for her and that I was grateful for the opportunity to do this for her. And, um, and I think that helped her and it certainly helped me in being able to say that to her. Uh, so I, I think that the expression of, of gratitude will bring the caregiver and care receiver a little closer and, and make, make the, uh, the whole caregiving um, beneficial for both of them. Well, I'm so sorry for your loss. And we so appreciate, I appreciate your sharing that with our audience. Um, is there, we have just a few minutes remaining. It's crazy how the time goes. But would either one of you share a story that demonstrates this gratitude and forgiveness? Uh, Julia, would maybe from one of the 150 people that you and, and Barry uh, interviewed, I'm I'm happy to share a story. Uh, there's actually one that I I like to tell about uh, uh, someone who would come in to see me. She was a nurse in her 60s, taking care of her mother, and struggling because her mother had been um, very depressed throughout her childhood. And there were losses. Her birth father left when my my client Gloria was an infant. And then her mother married again, but the stepfather passed away when she when Gloria was a teenager. And her mother was so depressed that Gloria had memories of coming home from school and the door closing behind her and her mother laying on the couch, not even looking up to say, hello, how was your day? And um, so Gloria spent a lot of her life trying to please this unpleasable, depressed mother. And then, you know, time went by and her mother had kidney disease and... Um, TIAs, small strokes, and, and was not well and was starting to decline. And Gloria, who had trained as a nurse and become extremely um, capable as a nurse, wanted to take care of her mother. She was also an only child. So we would talk about how even though she knew that her mother was not able to provide the kind of care for her as a child when Gloria needed it, she wanted to provide care for her mother. And it wasn't to try to just please her mother, but it was to do the right thing, and it was to try to build a better relationship with her mother. 
during the two years that she cared for her. And so we would talk about Gloria staying in the present and being her professional self and not what often came up for her, which is sort of a longing, needy, I wish my mother could tell me she loved me kind of um, old feeling. We would keep it in the present, and Gloria would um, basically do the care for her mother that she could. She knew a lot about the medical world. She could talk to the doctors. And over time, her mother um, began to relate to her differently because Gloria related to her mother differently. So in terms of forgiveness, she started to feel very compassionate for her mother that her mother had been so depressed, and now she was frail and failing. And Gloria could nurture her, and her mother could feel like she could rely on Gloria and not feel guilty about not being a good enough mother or or irritated with Gloria's neediness, and instead respect her and admire her. And long after her mother passed away, Gloria said to me, um, you know, with tears in her eyes, that she was so grateful for those two years with her mother in which the relationship shifted and she felt close to her mother and she felt known by her mother in a way that she hadn't previously. And even though it was hard work, it was so meaningful. She felt like such a good person for having done it, like she did the right thing. And, um, oh, that's a beautiful story. I'm sorry yeah. I have to stop. No, that's but it is, that is a beautiful story. That's what we hope for. We would wish for. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. That's what we hope to have with, with most caregivers, that they can feel good about exactly. it at the end. Exactly. Well, you know, our time is up, and I hate this, but we'll have you back again. And thank you so much again, Dr. Barry Jacobs, Dr. Julia Mayer. Uh, again, for everybody, the book is AARP Meditations for Caregivers, Practical, Emotional, and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family. I want to remind our listeners there will be an archive of this show up in a couple of days, and we invite you to listen to it and to invite a friend to listen to it. Thanks again to both of you. Thank you. Thank you, And Thanks to all of our listeners, and everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye.